Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. We're grateful that you've chosen to join us today. We want to welcome everyone listening to Higher Rock Radio in Boise, Idaho, and the Truth FM Radio Network, the Hope FM Radio Network the Freedom Radio, FM Radio Network, and of course, Grace FM. Uh, We're very grateful to be a part of what the Lord is doing in your life and talking about the things of God. I'm always, you know, one of the verses that the Lord gave me early on as a new believer that stuck with me uh, is in 2 Peter chapter 1. We just taught 2 Peter. I think it's going to hit Abounding Grace Radio here very soon. uh, For those of you guys that listen to our radio broadcast, Um, but somebody had given this to me as a new believer because I you know I'm always wanting I was always wanting the truth I was always wanting knowledge wanting answers to every question and somebody pointing me to this powerful powerful truth <clears throat> it says grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who's called us in glory and virtue. And that that's a, a tremendous uh, reminder that it's the knowledge of Him. Everything is found in Him. Satisfaction is found in Him. All the resources and power that's needed to get through the day is found in Him by faith. And I'm I, I see Christian radio, at least the Christian radio that we uh, have, Bible teaching and worship, primarily Bible teaching and shows like this, is so that we might grow in his divine power, like his knowledge, that the divine power would continue to lead us and guide us and give us the wisdom and understanding and strength um, that we need, the answers, uh, the issues. And today, that's that. That's just a word from God to you. Uh, God wants you to know that you've been given all things pertaining to life and godliness. Life, your life, how you interact with others, godliness, how you interact with God through the knowledge of him. So keep it simple. Keep your eyes firmly fixed upon him. Draw on his resources, his strength, his wisdom, his joy, his peace. So good. Give me a call, 303 690-3000 works anywhere around the country. That number, 303-690-3000, comes right in here to the Grace FM studios in Aurora, Colorado. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm taking your calls today. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church, Calvary Chapel, that's been here in Aurora now for almost 22 years. December will be 22 years. Our first Sunday morning service was December 26, 1999 at Columbia Middle School. Imagine that way back in the day. Uh, what a privilege uh, that to see what God has done uh, all these years. And here we are coming up on 22 years. And this year we do have services 
on December 26th. Uh, we will not be canceling services the day after Christmas. No way. Um, we've set our Christmas services, as a matter of fact, today. So we're going to have Christmas Eve services here on, fri- on Friday, 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock. And then Saturday, we won't have Saturday service. That's Christmas. And then we will have Sunday morning services. That'll be at 845 and 1045. So we'll be gathered this weekend as well, Saturday night and uh, Sunday morning. Uh, we're in the book of Acts. This weekend, I'm going to be teaching on how to share the gospel. Uh, it's a great passage lining up in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. When the Holy Spirit's power comes upon you, you shall be witnesses. What does that mean exactly? What does a witness do? How does a witness live? But I want to zero in on the significance and importance of sharing the gospel. Uh, sharing the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what is included in a regular conversation to help someone understand their need for the forgiveness of sin. So we'll be here this weekend. You don't have to be a part, you don't have to be in Colorado to attend our church. You can attend online. Um, I was reading an article today, by the way, and we're just waiting for your calls to come in, but I was reading an article today that pastors now are considering turning off their live stream now that COVID is over or now that we can have in-person services And if I had a chance to talk to them, I'd say, no, don't do that. Don't shut your live stream off. Uh, Continue to read. God was teaching you a lesson that there's an audience outside the building. Uh, And I remember when we started our live stream, people were were freaking out about it. Um, Oh, Ed, even my pastor friends. Oh, Ed, this is way back when the technology was just invented, by the way. Uh, So we we were trying to be cutting edge to the best of our ability. So we were going live stream right away. And people were saying um, that, no, Ed, you won't, people won't come back to church anymore. Uh, If you do that, then, then they'll just stay home. And, and I'm like, well, those are the people we're going after. Actually, the people that do stay home, the people that don't come to church, those are the people we're going after. And that that's who we actually want to reach. We realize that, man, there's an audience outside of the building besides the people that don't live here that would never set foot in our church that are more comfortable receiving. It's the same principle of radio, right? The same principle of radio where it is another stream of outreach, another stream. So pastor, if you're considering shutting your live stream down, don't do it. And then you go, well, Ed, only five or six people are listening or watching. Well, okay, five or six people is pretty significant because five or six people are precious in the sight of the Lord. <clears throat> and technology, the streaming technology is so cheap, even you know, using Facebook or uh, Facebook, uh, what are they streaming? Facebook Live, YouTube now, it's free. It doesn't even cost. You could stream off your phone if you wanted to in a real high quality, a, a super high quality Uh, camera off a new iPhone. So pastors, don't. We're going to always have our live stream. We're going to keep up in our game, um, up in our cameras, trying to the best of our ability, you know, who we are. We're never going to have the kind of cameras that uh, Pastor Greg Laurie has, you know, in his stream or over in Fort Lauderdale or some of the larger churches, but that's okay. Um, That's okay. We'll have the best that we can, the best that we can do. And, And even last night, I was just thinking of, uh, I was just, as I was teaching, again, give me a call, 303-690-3000. But as I was teaching our midweek Bible study, all three of our cameras uh, were manned, uh, and or you could say womaned, uh, servants were there. And I just I, I, for a brief moment, I was just so blessed, so blessed that there were three people besides the people in the control room 
that have a heart to serve in that area. It's not glamorous, not exciting, um, you know, probably boring perhaps because you can't really keep track. You can't really pay attention to the Bible study, but then you can't like, like you're running the camera, but that's their ministry. And by using the camera and then making sure all the details back there with, with Matt and his team, uh, it makes a difference. So churches, pastors, you're driving around town, you're going, well, maybe we'll stop the live stream. Don't double up on it. Think of doing new things with video. Uh, think about starting a YouTube channel. Think about starting a radio ministry. Think about the shut-ins, the people in prison, the hospitals. There's a lot of people that God has uniquely gifted you to reach. Um, go deeper. Don't pull back. And I couldn't believe my ears. Pastors, oh, you know, now that people can come back to church, we're not going to do live stream anymore. What, what's a, what was the point? And, and then on top of that, um, I was talking to my wife today about um, an area of town here um, that there was a conversation with a pastor that said, you know, what are you guys doing for outreach in this area? And the pastor said, you know, we weren't doing anything before COVID and we're definitely not going to do anything now. And we're like, what? What do you mean you're not going to do any outreach? You're in the community. What do you mean you're not going to serve your, the poor and the needy and the hurting or whatever God's called you? I, I, whatever not, Churches can't do everything. Let's just settle that. Every church can't do everything. But no church can do nothing. And don't, don't forget that. So the same with believer. You know, as a believer, not every believer can do everything. But no believer can do nothing. The Holy Spirit dwelling in you will move you to action. 303-690-3000. Loveland, Colorado. Chris is on the line. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Ed. How's it going? It's going great. Good. Um, I just had a question for you. Uh, so as a Christian, I've, I've stumbled and sinned before, and, you know, sometimes even willingly. And, you know, I, I've kind of struggled with the idea of, like, uh, you know, how do you know if you've, you know, kind of got your heart to like an Esau, you know, and, and unable to find repentance again? Well, that's a good question. That's an interesting way of asking the question, because I, my first thought, let's say you're in my office and I'm, we're just talking, I'd say, you know, you're not Esau. Uh, you're, you won't be, you, you, you aren't Esau, so your life isn't his. And you don't need to be concerned about becoming Esau because God's doing a specific work in you. And then, of course, your comparison um, I would say your comparison is, as you're in my office talking about your sensitivity to the Lord, or, you know, not my office, you're on the phone right now. It's like being in my office and you're, you've got a sensitivity to your sin. You've got a sensitivity to the condition of your life. Uh, you're concerned about where you are in your relationship with the Lord. Those are all great indications that you're nowhere near becoming an Esau. Uh, does that make sense? That's really helpful. I appreciate it. It just can be and then you, kind of hard sometimes, you know, the enemy tries to get you to get caught up in your past. Well, especially in a in a especially with a personality or a temperament that has a tendency to beat yourself up or what the Bible would say condemnation, uh, where, you know, it just life gets heavy and, and then we look at all the circumstances surrounding and they're like, Man, it's all my fault. Really dealing with shame. 
Um, we unfortunately, even within the Christian evangelical church culture, shame is used a lot. Guilt is used a lot. Condemnations used a lot, but not by the Lord. He never motivates or convicts us by shame. Um, he only reveals a guilt that already exists because of our sin. He doesn't guilt us, you know, to try to make us feel guilty for not following him. He, he, like Paul said, he says, it's the love of God that moves us or motivates us. And, but, you know, if you grew up in a home like that, if you grew up in a, in a man-made religion like Roman Catholicism, that's very guilt and shame based and works oriented, then you begin to think, man, I'm really, I really struggle with this area of my life. And I wonder if I'm just going to become like a reprobate and never, ever be pleasing to God. And the exact opposite is true. In the in a born again brother, my brother that lives in Loveland, Chris, a born again brother in the Lord, it, it, his relationship with God starts with love. It starts with his unconditional love through the blood of Jesus Christ. That your identity is as a son. Your identity is as a saint. Your identity is as a family member of the family of God, and then, then under that umbrella, you have to deal with your own circumstances. But flip, we usually flip that around and look at me. I'm a sinner. I'm horrible. I'm never going to amount to anything, and maybe I'm not saved after all. But, but rather, we have to flip that around and start with what God's identity. As a matter of fact, if you email me, I'll send you a list of. I did a couple Bible studies on this as well. Um, I'll send you the link to those. Um, it was um, a series that we ended up calling What Do I Do With My Past? But I talk about guilt, and I talk about how to deal with our past, and I talk about how to move forward biblically so that you can have victory. And another great book to I want to recommend, I can just say it now because um, uh, it's I'm reading, I'm halfway through it. It's Louis Giglio, Giglio's book, uh, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. Super yeah. good, man. I mean, it is. It, he does a, such a great job, a different angle of dealing with the mind games that we have, we live with uh, in our lives. And and I think of this verse because it's another verse that the Lord gave me early on. Check this out. I bet you it'll minister to you too. Uh, I, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, it is. Yeah, this is so good. You you should memorize this. Okay. And then I have one more thing to share, and then you can follow up. But in 1 John chapter 3, verse 20, it says, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things. And so when we do get into that condemnation vote, or we have failed. You know, I'm not minimizing your sin. I'm not minimizing the consequences of the behaviors and some of the things you've been into or thought or did. Um, we need to deal with those. We need to repent from those and not minimize them like a no big deal. They are a big deal. That's making it making it worse for you um, when you're in this area. But the idea that you want to grow is good. It's it's now you want to approach it with what the Bible says: godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is super important, not worldly sorrow or human sorrow. Human sorrow is more selfish. Woe is me. I'm such a bad person. I'll never amount to anything. That just leads to disaster. But godly sorrow is I've sinned against a holy and awesome God. And I, and I, 
I have genuine feelings and thoughts of remorse and I want to forsake this lifestyle and I want to live my life to please God. And you need to know the difference between those two uh, as, as well because you know, worldly sorrow is sometimes confused for godly sorrow, but it doesn't lead anywhere. It just kind of leads to more sin. Yeah, would you say like worldly sorrow is more focused around the self and then godly sorrow is really going like I've I've really hurt the Lord with my sin or Yeah, it is. Worldly sorrow is kind of like, oh, you know, like um, like like a criminal gets caught and is is convicted and goes to jail. And then there's oh man, I can't believe I did this. I'm in jail again. I'm whore. You know, they're they're just beating themselves up. I mean, they, 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 they're on the right track of, they, they shouldn't like it. They shouldn't want to be there. They shouldn't, um, get used to it, but then they just beat themselves up. You know, I'm such a horrible person and okay, bro. Okay. Enough is enough. Say it once and be done with it. Now, what does God think kind of mindset? Like, and it takes time though. It's, you, you know, if I had the chance to talk to someone like that, I wouldn't say it that forthright because it takes time to really train your mind to think differently. So it's kind of like with godly sorrow, it's like in a relationship with someone else, you know, if you did something to hurt them, you're not sorry because you did something wrong, but you're sorry because you hurt them. Yes, that's exactly a great illustration of that. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I'll, um, I'll definitely email you. Okay, and and let me just say, here's what the scripture says about that phrase. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. And it's, uh, where am I? 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome, bro. All right, God bless you. 303-690-3000. Stephen, Denver, Colorado. Welcome to the program. Uh, yeah, how's it going? It's going great, man. Good, yeah. <clears throat> so I just, um, just the topic that was about yesterday with that young lady in high school with yeah. LGBTQ stuff going on brought me to this verse um, along those lines first. 1 Corinthians six eighteen, where it says, Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. And in the past, I've uh, been involved in different ministries and different churches, and people may confess things and say things about, you know, these topics. And I'm just trying to gain an understanding. It almost seems like in this terminology that there's almost like a greater weight to the sin or the um, the sexual immorality, I guess, that people are committing, whether it's homosexuality or other just mm-hmm. sleeping around or, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just yeah, trying to understand, uh-huh. like, it, in, in God's eyes, all sin is the same, but obviously there's something more specific or um, different here on the sexually immoral sin. Yeah, you know, the, the when you approach the Scriptures, you're right. Jesus Christ, he died for the sins of the world. And the sins of the world in plural 
we kind of categorize them, right? White sins, black sins, blue sins, little sins, big sins, but the blood of Jesus Christ covers them all. Um, there does seem to be in the Bible an indication that there's a greater judgment for certain sins, um, and I mean that in eternity, like like sins against children. Um, Jesus talked about um, it would be better. He he identified them specifically. It'd be better that they um, it would be better that they never stumble a little one, or they'd have a millstone hung around their neck. So there are some. There are some sins, even in God's eyes, they're going to be dealt with in a greater way. Um, but generally, sin is sin. And the the second part of the differentiation of sins is really the consequence, right? The, the end result. So sexual sin is described as being, there's an additional weight to that particular sin spiritually that's against yourself. So you are... You know, all sin is really against ourselves. However, there's something about sexual sin, and you're right in all the categories, that is a sin against yourself. Like you really, you, you, it's almost like God is warning us to say, look, this is an area that's so special and so sacred and so important that I, I want to let you know that if you go down this road, you're, you're actually sinning against your own body. And you think, well, man, I don't, what does that mean exactly? Well, we don't know what it means exactly, but you think of sexually transmitted diseases. You think of the mental anguish that takes place. You think of the guilt and shame that comes by, by um, having relations with someone that's not your spouse. Um, you have the identity issues that we were talking about yesterday and the twistedness of your mind and the confusion and, you know, really ultimately making a God in your own image. Um, but there is, there definitely are differences uh, in sins. Um, there definitely are greater judgments for some sins that God did identify, and there are definitely different consequences. And sexual sin is a, and 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 I think it's important as you brought in the topic too that to remember that uh, for homosexuality, it's a pretty obvious sin. Like it uh, immediately in a couple, for example, if a couple decides to get together then it's obvious you could see them. You can see they're demonstratively, openly sinning. However, the adulterer is not so quickly found out or the fornicator is not so quickly found out, but they're in the same category. And we need to, we really, really need to be sensitive to a person that might've given themselves over to sin. You know, I think of, I think of the approach, there's a lot of different approaches, but I'm, I'm especially appreciative of what James said in chapter five. Uh, Let me turn over there. You know, it's such a great privilege to be used to help people get their eyes back on the Lord. But he says in verse 19 of chapter 5, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he turns a sinner from the error of his way and, have a, and saves a soul from death and covers a multitude of sins. And and I think that any situation, we, we, we really need to be prayerful and careful as we enter into a life that's been broken by sin. Yeah. Yeah. That. Um, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. I understand what you're saying. And you know, I'm grateful I, for the the guidance. I, I think as a church too, you know we we really do live hypocritically at times, where we give some sins more attention than other sins, and we just shouldn't. 
we should be sensitive to the brokenness of sin in general, and we shouldn't neglect to treat sins differently. Like, for example, and this is a common one, but you know, we talk about homosexuality and, and everyone's up in arms and they'll make signs and they'll be upset because it's a cultural thing. You know, the cultures embrace that sin, but there's not a lot of emphasis in churches of the sin of gluttony, uh, that lack of self-control or the sin of gossip or even lying. You know, sometimes gossip and lying are overlooked. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen um, many believers making signs and, and going down to protest liars or gossips or gluttons, and many times it's because that's the very sins that, that the church is caught up in. And if we would just admit that we're all broken and frail and cast ourselves upon the mercy of God, recognize that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, it would put us in a position to come alongside people rather than to hypocritically or hypocritically judge people because God wants to rescue them. All, ever, just like he rescued you, rescued me, He's still on a rescue mission. Amen. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think that's... God bless you, brother. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, it's so good. You know, I think, again, I, I, I'm a part of the Christian community, so I'm not pointing the finger. I, I'm, ask, I'm, I'm in the mirror here. I, I just think the Christians, we get caught up in things that are, that are just de- detrimental and destructive to the gospel. And it, it's not helpful to the cause of Christ. We're not even following Jesus, even though you say you are. Jesus stepped into messy, sinful situations with a heart of redemption, with a heart of reconciliation. I think of uh, the great obvious, okay, so how about this one? The obvious sexual sin of the woman that was caught in the midst of adultery, that, which was also a cultural thing. It was also a... Uh, spiritual thing, uh, you know, spiritual in the sense of the consequences for adultery and all of that. And and what did Jesus do, man? He ministered to her. He spoke to the woman and not to the sin. And I think that's super important for us. We need to speak to people, not to sin. They're, a person is not their sin. And I think that's another word from the Lord. It's like a prophetic uh, show today. People are not their sin. They're people created in the image of God. And I know sin is horrible and it's destructive and it's hard to deal with. And sometimes I can't undo the consequences. I can't undo them. And I won't, I won't try to undo them. For example, you know, someone that is a registered sex offender, they will never uh, serve with kids in our church. That's a consequence I won't never and, and I, I do believe God can change them. I do believe in repentance, and I do believe in participating in other parts of the body of Christ, but they have forfeited the privilege of being with children. And, th- and that, that is, uh, and, and without, with, without um, question. And at the same time, we can serve them, and we can point them back to the Lord, and we can help them grow in grace, but without question. And... I would be very hesitant if somebody is a thief to put them over the tithes and offerings. You know, it's like, well, you know, I, that's a consequence of, you know, a felonious thievery or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> so we can't, I think it was Gino Geraci I got this from, but you can't do more than God does and we can't do less than God does. And we really want to find that, that, that place 
where we honor the Lord, where we are blessing of him by honoring him and ministering to him um, and ministering in his name. So we're coming up. I took a few moments to comment on that because we're coming up on the end of the first half. But uh, I know it's hard to navigate through sinful things and it's a lot easier. You know, let's tyranny and let's fight this and let's, uh, you know, go after the lost. You'll, you'll be you'll get a lot more eternal rewards going after the lost, ministering to the hurting visiting the sick in the hospital, giving a cup of cold water to those in prison. You, do, you, would, you, you would make a lot more spiritual progress fighting for the gospel than for some lesser thing. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Second half, I can't, uh, I'm always shocked how fast the, the show goes by. Welcome, everyone, listening on Hope FM, Truth FM, of course, here on Grace FM, Freedom Radio. In Boise, you guys are higher rock radio. Welcome to the back to the program. My name is Ed Taylor. I am the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, a Denver suburb. We've been here 22 years this December. Amazing. What a privilege. You guys listening on another network other than Grace FM, remember, you're hearing this one week delayed. What that means is call anytime the show is on. You'll talk live to the audience listening online in Grace FM, uh, and you'll talk live, and we'll answer your question, and then you can listen to your station next week and hear yourself on the radio. We just had a phone call today, Kevin and I, uh, with our friends in Boise talking about getting the technology ready to go live in Boise. Then we'll go live on Freedom Radio. Uh, so we're working that really well. We're looking forward to what God may have. Uh, so you guys on Grace FM, you've always been live. Unless you hear it at the beginning, there's an encore. Sometimes I'm away or we don't have anyone to fill in, so we play an encore presentation. But otherwise, it's a live broadcast, and we're grateful uh, to do that. So let's go back to the phone lines. Broomfield, Colorado. Larry, welcome to the program. Hey, what's your name? Larry, you're uh, on the air. Uh, hello. Hi. Uh, good afternoon. Thank good you afternoon. for the call. You're, you're um, welcome. A few years ago, I had a <clears throat> youth pastor at the church I was going to tell me, I forget how it came up, but he was convinced that the devil goes around healing people. That was his way he could explain supernatural healings in other countries that uh, that God was not actually specifically asked for. And I just couldn't convince him of it otherwise, so I went to our head pastor with him to talk to him about it, and it turns out the head pastor was in complete agreement with him that... and. He tried using Job as his biblical answer, saying, well, God gave Satan all power, so of course he goes around healing in these one countries. Uh, I ended up leaving the church over that. I just simply Good. did not believe that, but I wonder what you thought. Well, I don't really have a stronger word to use on live radio, so I'll just use this word. Our words, utter nonsense. Yeah. Um, it just absolutely utter, unbiblical 
nonsense. You know, I think of the character and nature of the devil. The Bible says he's, Jesus said he came to what? Kill, steal, and destroy, and heal. No, he didn't say that. The nature of the devil is anti-God. He comes to destroy lives and kill and destroy and, and, and hurt and demonize and, and infect. And, and for unbelievers, he indwells them. But God, his nature, his name, one of the names that God gives to himself, the only source of true healing, Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals. And I, I couldn't agree more. I I I I just uh, it astounded me. I I became speechless and just uh, well, I ended up believing within days of that. I just couldn't. Uh, I've been that. I've been reading the Bible for thirty years. I've been pastoring for twenty six years or so, twenty five years, and I've been doing this show probably and shows like this for ten years. 10, 12 years, something like that. And and I'm telling you, there's always a first because I'd never heard of this before until you shared it. I have never heard of this. And I, and because it's so far out of the realm of belief. Yeah. I've, uh, I, 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 I cannot come up with a, yeah, I, I'm still speechless over it. Yes. It dwells in my head years later. And I just, uh, Every now and then something will come up that will trigger that. And uh, today when I heard you ask, you know, for callers, I, that, yeah. a little I'm voice glad said, you did. Hey, you know what? Call and see. Call and see. And I, I'm glad that. <sighs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Thanks for holding, Larry. God bless you, man. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Let's head over East Coast now. Georgia. Cindy. Welcome to the program. I heard your, your um, show yesterday, and you mentioned that you did struggle with alcohol. I just want to ask, you know, was it before you got saved or after you got saved? And, you know, I've been married for four years now. I'm married to a pastor um, who speaks strongly against drunkenness, but he is struggling himself with the addiction. So I, I'm just a little bit disturbed, and I I feel like my marriage is, has been broken where trust is concerned. I just yeah. need a little bit of clearance where that is concerned. Well, th- first of all, thank you very much for calling to clarify, uh, because I wouldn't want to be misunderstood. Uh, my my um, sinful behavior involving alcohol and drugs all occurred before I was born again. And I took my first drink of alcohol, graduating between sixth grade and seventh grade. And I took my first drug in the seventh grade. And then all the way through um, until I was 23, uh, it just got progressively worse. And it was very, very horrific and bad. And when I was born again uh, in 1991, uh, I, I was delivered immediately uh, from any of those substances. I haven't had any drink or uh, anything since 1991 as a believer. And I do believe it's God's will uh, for pastors. I mean, I think it's God's will in general for us all to stay away from alcohol and drugs. Um, I think it's wise. I don't think it's a sin necessarily to drink a beer here and there, but to be drunk definitely is. 
um, to what the world considers to be an alcoholic is definitely sinful uh, and we are to stay away from it. But for pastors, Cindy, we're even at, we're even called to a higher calling. Uh, and the higher calling is to live a sober life, not only for ourselves, but as an example to the flock. And uh, I would encourage you to have that serious conversation with your husband. And, and if necessary, get involved, the elders of your church that hold your pastor account, hold your pastor husband accountable so that we can get him the help that he needs so that he can be all that God wants him to be. Um, but he can't continue to live a duplicitous life. Um, he needs to come clean and be right with the Lord. The Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And so, you know, as a pastor, we have we're, none of us are going to have perfect lives. And not, God isn't requiring or requesting a perfect life, but we're not, also not to live a hypocritical life. We have control over that. Uh, we don't. Have, we can't be perfect, but we do have control of whether we're hypocrites or not. Absolutely, and you know, and he did seek help and, and admitted himself for eight months, eight weeks. Good. But Good. the situation just keeps bringing back its face into the atmosphere of it's like a yearly re- reoccurrence of him falling yes. back into <clears throat> drinking, and. I, I, you know, it's very sad, but the trust is just not there because it's like this is the fourth year, and it's like every year it's the same thing, um, and well, this is the last time, and it will never happen again, and it happens again. Well, have you ha, have you have you talked about him taking a temporary leave from the pastorate so that he can he can really address these things because the spiritual warfare of a man that stands in the pulpit. It it makes things harder and more challenging, uh, and I, I think that getting help from the outside, like if this is a recurring thing, then he really isn't walking in the victory that's his. He we really don't want him to be hypocritical because he's going to heap more judgment on himself. You know, the Bible says, "Let not many of us become teachers, because we'll receive the stricter judgment." So his personal walk with the Lord. His love for you as a husband and his care within the marriage is far more important than his position as a pastor. And and I would hope that he would get the final because God can give him victory. I'm living proof. I'm I don't I not only have I been delivered, but I have no desire. And even through some of the triggers, you know, that the reason why this is occurring um yearly is because there's some trigger in his life. There's something that that triggers it and he that that really gives him the heavy temptation and he just goes for it. And it could be a hurt. It could be a, you know, it's something he's been carrying from his childhood. Um, that doesn't mean that you know he's trapped by that. But like he's got, if he has some trigger, and it, he just indulges the flesh when that trigger comes back, and unfortunately the flesh could destroy him because alcohol is never satisfied. The flesh is never satisfied. And what so advice me, would you have for me as a wife? Um, which is very traumatized by, you know, the trust and, and trying to make the marriage work uh, and try not to be deceived because I know his struggle. And, yeah, just to see him preach and teach, it's, it's very awkward for me. I know he loves well, the Lord, but he is struggling I, with this disease. I believe you, and I, I would believe him if he said that. Um, that 
my advice to you is, you know, again, we're on a radio show, so it's harder to give some real in-depth things, but here's some general thoughts I would say. First of all, it sounds like you have a real genuine love for God and for your husband, and he's a very blessed man to have you in his life. Not only does it sound like you truly love him, but it also sounds like you have a greater love for the holiness and righteousness of God, and that has to come first. And so I really do believe you should say um, that you called a radio program today and you talked with a, talk, when your husband's home or if you as soon as you hang up, when you get reconnected with your husband and your time of prayer tonight with him, I really do need, I, I really do believe it's time for a serious conversation that says, okay, husband, we, we need to turn a corner. We can't keep living like this. And I, I just, I want you to know I'm committed to you. I want you to know that I love you. And I want you to know that I'm willing to walk through this with you all the way to the end so that our marriage is whole, that our marriage is strong, and that you are living a sober life. And I can enjoy you soberly, and I can enjoy you and our marriage in righteousness and holiness. And and I want your permission, husband, uh, that I can get help for us and and have a and and have a real heart to heart conversation with him. Um, I do think that the way you've described his life, he shouldn't be in the pulpit right now. Um, and I think that the way that that would be handled in our church is that I have an elder board that oversees me and they would get involved. And I believe, I, I know these men, they're godly men, they love the Lord, and I'm sure there's elders that are godly in your church that they would want me they would want me to be as whole and as right with God as possible. They would want me to be as whole and right with my wife as possible. They would want me to be as whole with my kids and then the church. And I don't think that they, I mean, I, I guess they could, but I don't think they would just like get rid of me and fire me and turn their back on me, but they would take the sin seriously. And they would, they would want me to take the sin seriously too, because, you know, let's face it, he's hurting the church. And, and you could say, Ed, how do you know that? Because he's hurting you, and you are the church. You're the most important part of the church in his life. You are the most important congregate, congregant in his church. And if you have kids, then you have you know, your kids and then the church. And you, if, if, he doesn't, if he doesn't do this right, then he could disqualify himself forever. And we don't want that. Thank you so much. God bless you. Yeah. Thank Can I, I? I just wanted to ask one more question because I don't want to gloss over this. You're not being physically abused, correct? What words when he when he gets in that stage? Yeah. So that that needs to come out in your counseling with the pastor you're meeting with, or like you you are under no you you if you're ever in an unsafe place, like you shouldn't be in the car. He shouldn't be driving. You shouldn't be in an unsafe place. Uh, you are under no obligation to be under physical abuse, uh, any of that. But it sounds like the help that you need needs to start tonight. Like it has to happen tonight. He's not in the home. I kind of, it's, it's a bad situation. I, yeah, it sounds I like it. Angry. Yeah, I feel angry. And I, and I, okay. I told him my relationship with the Lord comes first, right? Um, so he's not in the home because I just cannot have it around me. I feel very angry towards him. I feel very upset to the point where I'm trembling. And so 
is not currently in the home because I advise him he has to get help. He has to seek help for himself first. Yes, I think there's wisdom. The Bible says that we can separate for a time of prayer and fasting and to come back quickly. But please get the elders of the church involved right away. Would you please do that? I will. Thank you. Okay. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for Cindy. It's a very hard, challenging situation, um, but the integrity of your of your church is at stake. The integrity of this man's life and his marriage and his wife and his family is at stake, and I just pray for him. You know where he is. You know the decisions he's making. You know where he's disconnected from you, where he's disconnected from his wife, and I pray mercy upon his life, but also the conviction of his sin, that he might repent and come to his senses. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, God bless you, Cindy. Bye-bye. All right, uh, you know, and it's uh, October still, right? So it's Pastor Appreciation Month. And, you know, Cindy gave us uh, a little glimpse into some of the challenges that pastors face, some of the difficulties that are in their marriage. And it's just a good reminder uh, that pastors are real people. They have real marriages. Uh, I think I might have mentioned this last night in our Bible study. You know, there's whether they, you know, even if, people want to call themselves that they're not there's no such thing as a celebrity pastor the the word minister doulos is the exact opposite of celebrity and you know marriages pastors marriages suffer they pastors drink and get drunk sinfully uh, pastors wives drink and get drunk sinfully and this is where the leadership of the elders of the church must take place This is where the elders must come together and make the right decisions for the health of the church, including the pastor and his wife, because they're a part of the church. But would you just pray for your pastor? Last night, uh, we prayed for our pastors in our services. Um, You know, they're just normal people uh, with normal issues. Uh, We're not superhuman, but we do have the supernatural power of God in us, and we're grateful for that. Uh, And um, so, you know, the Lord is... Just pray for your pastor. I guess that's the best thing. Uh, Carrie in Centennial, Colorado, welcome to the program. Yes, hi, Pastor Ed. Thank you so much. Um, the You're reason welcome. for my call today is I was wondering, um, you know, if you can give some advice or um, where I work, they are allowing employees to dress up for Halloween tomorrow. Okay. Um, there is an individual who I work with who is a male. And, um, but dresses, um, wears makeup, wears high heels, um, considers himself a female. Um, I guess, you know, people have been kind of discussing their costumes and what they're going to wear. And he's going to come in dressed up in a dress as a female and, you know, and, you know, so that, you know, he really is appearing as a female and I just feel so uncomfortable about it, but I don't. I mean, I don't want to say anything. I mean, it's just an awkward situation. Um, it's totally against my belief system. But sure. um, I want to be more, you know, like Jesus, where he, you know, when he sat and ate with, you know, prostitutes or sinners or tax collectors, that he was looking at their heart. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I, I, I mean, I've been praying about it all day, and I, I just am... So conflicted, but confused as to how to 
even address the situation or even if I need to? How, how would I, how do I, what do I do? Well, you know, I don't think uh, you need to do anything. Um, I think that you would, if there's going to be something, some kind of meal that you have together that, that you can, you can pray for. Uh, and ask the Lord to give you the strength to die to yourself and simply sit at the table with them and eat, share a meal. Um, speak, you know, one of the things that's super important um, that will help us is just to speak to the person and not to the sin. And, of course, with some people, that's going to be more challenging, a, a cross-dressing person, someone that's outwardly offensive to our own beliefs, um, of course, that's going to be challenging. Um, but, you know, as much as we have the freedom to follow Christ, God has given him the freedom to rebel against Christ. And if we can understand that uh, and grasp that, hey, I was there myself. Um, I didn't cross-dress or anything, but I was a re- rebel. Like, I have my own sins. I mean, I was as far from Christ as I possibly could have been in my entire life, and God still reached me. And... You know, I know it is. A, I know it's self-offensive. I know it might. You know, you know words like it disgusts me. Uh, it uh, you know, it's hard to see, hard to look. You know, all it is. Those are all true, and we can just give those to the Lord. Um, but He's my coworker. He's created in the image of God. Um, maybe He gets treated by this. Maybe you're going to be the one Christian that doesn't treat Him like all the others do. Um, and yeah, you might have to. You you might have to. It, it's I. You know, let me say something. Um, let me put it a different way it's another example let's say you know i'm delivered from smoking and I, I used to smoke a lot i also when i got saved i stopped smoking so when someone smokes around me it makes me gag i, I can't I, I don't like it i don't i don't want to be around it uh, i don't like the smell or any of them but it i i have been around i worked with smokers like like they i worked in an industry where they chain smoke packs of cigarettes all day uh and i just needed to learn how to adapt myself to be within the proximity of sinners because I was a sinner too. And, and so as you look at it, you can almost psych yourself out and go, Oh man, I don't think I can handle this. I don't know. I don't think. And, and before we ever know it, like to get to know them. And let's just say that, let's say this person, he, he not only does that, but he also is very mean spirited and very, you don't have to subject yourself to that forever. You know, you don't have to, you don't have anything to prove to God. You can be led by the Holy Spirit. You don't, you know, you don't have anything to prove to your church. Uh, like so, it's not mandated that you spend more time with someone than necessary. But it's also not mandated or even desired, I think, from God for us to withdraw from some of these demonstrative people. Um, that, you know, I remember a couple walking into our church and um, a couple of gals, and you know, I greeted them, uh, asked them how they were doing. Um, it was pretty obvious uh, they were lesbian in their relationship, um, but I'm not going to lead with that, right? I'm going to lead with, how are you? My name is Ed. Uh, welcome. Uh, glad you're here because uh, I don't know if they're saved. I don't, you know, and I didn't lead with, hey, you guys kind of look like you're living in sin. Are you saved? You know, like I'm going to build a bridge with them. I'm going to be available to them. You know, they stopped coming. And one of the reasons why they stopped coming is we teach the truth in our church, and I'm sure it was offensive to them, but... Um, I, I want them to have a taste of, of to, the, I'm, to the best of my ability, the genuine, unconditional love of Christ. Not approval of sin, but unconditional right. love of Christ. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. 
Thank you. It, me... it reminded me of when, um, you know, the, uh, and I'm, I'm just trying to go from memory here. I'm, I'm still learning my Bible. I'm in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, when yeah. the Pharisees brought the, the woman to Jesus and said that they caught her, you know, committing the sin of adultery, and, and he said, you know, you who've not sinned, you know, cast the first stone. I mean, that was the first thing that came to mind. And, you know, I'm not without sin. I'm, I'm a sinner as well, and I ask for forgiveness. All the time, um, but I, I, I feel like I can be a good presence or, a, a, um, you know, be that good Christian that, that actually, to your point, treats this individual um, with that unconditional love. You know, and I, I think that we, it is awkward because there is a general isolationist view of Christianity, right? We, we enjoy being with Christians. We want to hang out with Christians. We like it, Christian events, but we live in the world. And there's this, this thought, too, where you're like, well, if I don't say anything, then I approve of it. No, that's not true. Uh, that's not true at all. You don't have to call everyone out on their sin every single time. Um, you don't have to establish that you're a Christ follower and this is not acceptable. It, it's okay to share a meal with someone and never address the situation. Um, never address. Um, and I, I, I know some people in our church, like some believers, that would probably even say, and I know this is hard to hear, but they'd probably say, hey, nice dress you chose for this without being offended um, yeah. and without approving because they like the dress, but it's a bridge building. It's not like they're not approving of his sins. Or I can't wait to what, but it's like, Hey, I've never heard a Christian say that before. Like, what do you mean? Uh, and, and it really is to, to build trust and credibility f- with someone that's obviously demonstratively wanting to project their sinful behavior on others. And, and even, you know, we're in a culture now where they want to force you to accept it. Um, mm-hmm. But we don't have to outwardly not accept it like like every single time. There might be a time where you go, you know what, would you just stop doing that? Would you just stop saying that? It's offensive to me. Yeah, That's okay to say too. But I think being led by the Holy Spirit, he, I, I'm reminded uh, when Jesus sent the um, disciples out, he said, "You're gonna, they're going to put you before magistrates. And you don't need to worry about what to say because the Holy Spirit's going to give you what to say when you're when you're there. Don't worry about it. God will mm-hmm. take care of it. Right. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you, Pastor Ed. I really appreciate that. You're Thank welcome. You so Let me pray much. for you, Father. I pray for Carrie, Lord, it's in, and many others like her that are in very challenging workplace situations with the culture the way it is. It's no longer uh, hidden sin. It's flamboyant in your face sin and and even with a culture to say uh, accept it or else and we recognize that's a hard way to live lord that's a hard way to it's a hard world we're in right now but we're here and so we pray for help and wisdom we pray for the the presence of your holy spirit to give us the words that we need when we need them I thank you for the different parts of the body of Christ where, you know, I think of that sister would probably make some kind of comment about something to build a bridge. Um, And then other believers can't do that, Lord. So I'm thankful for that variety, that you've made us who we are, you're growing us who we are, and there are particular people that you're going to use us to reach with your unconditional love. So we want to be used by that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, Pastor Ed. All right. God bless you. Bye-bye. 
All right. So good. Um, great show today. Thanks for joining me. We're going to be at, um, this weekend. I'm going to teach you how to share the gospel. And some of the questions this week have been exactly that. Like there is a nuance and build bridge building part of the gospel. Um, you, you, you just need to speak to the person to the best of your ability and love them, serve them, be available to them. And the Lord, you know, some people plant, some people water. It's only God that gives the increase. And we can trust God with the situations and the people in our lives. So more information on our ministry here, go to gracefm.com. You're listening to this on another station. Uh, look up their website. Um, I, again, I, I'm, I want to implore you, please give to Christian Radio. Please, every amount matters, small or large. I want to, you guys listening on Grace FM, thank you for giving. And if you haven't, please do go to gracefm.com and wherever you're listening to this, give to local Christian radio. These are not big companies, big corporations. It's a church running this station. So support that church running this station. Uh, and of course, if you're on Grace FM, go for it. If you're on Hope FM, Truth FM, Freedom, Radio by Grace, you guys in Boise, give to your local Christian radio. The Lord will bless it. He'll multiply it. And man, God will be glorified in these last days. For many of you, Lord willing, we'll see you at church this weekend, Saturday night, Sunday morning, calvaryco.church, calvaryco.church. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.